You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. This is why we're here. This is why we're here. Is to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. We praise your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. awesome presence of the Lord that we feel in this place here this morning. Thank you so much for coming out, weathering the storm, and uh, being here with us. Uh, We welcome all of our guests with us here this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Welcome to Mission Point. Amen. We are so glad to have you with us and a part of what is going on. Amen. And we also want to make you aware that Pastor is away. He's in Zambia. South Africa with the Cisco's. He's preaching a conference for them. They've just been having an incredible time, I've heard. And um, just pray for his safe return. He'll be traveling back at the beginning of this week. So just pray for him as he makes his journey back. And it's a long trip there, about 37 hours of travel to get there and 37 hours to get back. And that was the shortest flights that we could find. And then a three-hour drive from Bangor to home once he arrives. So just pray for him. And um, uh, we, we've been having just an incredible time. Of course, all of our youth, are, they're away at uh, youth convention in Fredericton. And what an amazing time that they've been having there. Brother Luke Levine has been preaching the word of the Lord. Just an amazing time. We get to take in some of that. Amen. We're going to turn to the word of the Lord here this morning. I just want God's will to be done. I want him to speak to us. Amen. So just before we get started, one final time, can we pray together and ask God's will to be done here today? God, we are so thankful for everything that you've already done. We thank you for your presence we felt in this place in a mighty way. God, we pray that you would continue to flow in this place. Move here among us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would let your will be done in our hearts and in our lives. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, right? I said in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep calm. Keep calm. When we got to our hotel room on Friday for youth convention, I opened up a bag of Hershey's chocolate eggs that we had left over from Easter. How many know those chocolate eggs that I'm talking about? You can never have just one. Of course, you dive into those bags, and you never know how it's going to end up. And so I just started eating them, and a piece of the candied outside of the egg went to the back of my throat, and I started choking. And I'm so glad to know that in an emergency situation, my family would be so prepared and so helpful. Levi went to the corner of the room, and he plugged his ear so he didn't have to hear me choke. 
Sadie kept on playing with her Polly Pocket that she had and said, he's going to die. And my wife, she just stayed in the washroom, never said anything, continued to do her hair to get ready for service. Um, If only all of us knew that kind of peace, the world would be a much better place, wouldn't it? Utter chaos going on around you and you just stay calm. Go into the corner and close your ears. How many of you men have ever told your wife when she's upset to calm down? I'm not looking for a show of hands because I know that there will be none here this morning because you would not be here to tell about it if you did. A few years ago, I started noticing this poster everywhere, keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on. It was on social media, it was on t-shirts, it was on coffee mugs, and it wasn't long after that that you started seeing all different variations to it, variations like keep calm and pretend it's not Pretend it's not Monday. Keep calm. It's almost Friday. Keep calm and eat bacon. Praise the Lord. Keep calm and eat chocolate. Be careful with it, though. It's dangerous. And now, all this got me wondering about the origin of the poster itself. I had heard that it had been produced during World War II by the British War Department, but I was curious as to why we started hearing about it in the past few years like we have. It really started surfacing then. And then I found this video about its backstory that I just want us to watch for a minute. In the spring of 1939, during the build-up to war with Germany, the British government commissioned a series of propaganda posters. These posters were intended to offer the public reassurance in the dark days that lay ahead. They were required to be uniform in style and were to feature a special and handsome typeface, making them difficult for the enemy to counterfeit. They used the crown of King George VI as the only graphic device and had just two colours. Of the three final designs that went into production, the first poster carried the slogan, Your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. The second poster had the words, Freedom is in peril, defend it with all your might. But the third design, of which over two and a half million posters were printed, simply read, Keep calm and carry on. The first two designs were distributed in September of 1939 and appeared up and down the country in shop windows and railway platforms. But the Keep Calm posters were held in reserve, intended for use only in times of crisis or invasion. In the end, the poster was never officially issued, and it remained unseen by the public until a copy turned up more than 50 years later. It was found in a second-hand bookshop called Barter Books in the northeast corner of England. Books was begun in 1991 by a couple, Stuart and Mary Manley. The building used to be an old Victorian railway station. Huge rows of stacked shelves now stand in the place where the tracks would have been, but the station's old tea rooms and waiting rooms are still there. It was in 2000 that Stuart found the poster in a box of dusty old books that had been bought at auction. Mary liked it so much she had it framed and put it up near the shop till, and it proved so popular with the customers that a year later they began to sell copies. Since that time, the poster has been reproduced, parodied and trivialised, and has become a truly iconic image of the 21st century. 
It is hard to say exactly why such a phrase from a bygone decade would have so much appeal and resonance now. Its design is considered simple and timeless, and now commonly recognisable. However, it is perhaps the words on the poster that people find most enchanting. Like a voice out of history, it offers a very simple, warm-hearted message to inspire confidence in others during difficult times, and is something that should never fade from fashion. To keep calm and carry on. Okay, first off, how many want to go and find that bookshop right now? It's amazing to me that the British never released it because they wanted to save this poster, this, uh, this poster that said, keep calm and carry on, for a time of great crisis. I guess the bombing of London by the Nazis didn't count. But it also makes me think that right now, Following everything that we've gone through in the past three years, swimming in economic uncertainty and political tensions running high in multiple countries of the world, that maybe right now we need a message like this, a message like keep calm and carry on. And then I realized that what each of us need here this morning is different. We all didn't walk in here the exact same way. Every individual created by God is different. We have different families, different friends, different jobs. We come from different walks of life, and some of us are very different from one another. But one thing that you can be sure we all have in common is that we all have troubles. And when the storms of life start blowing up, our resolve is tested. When you are choking on life's uncertainties, we learn what kind of people we really are. It's easy to become anxious, angry, panicked, or even frightened. But God offers this word of peace, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Even in the midst of life's thunderstorms and hurricanes, even when the circumstances around us seem to be at their darkest, we can be at peace because of God. Be still and know He's still God. He's still on the throne. He's still able to take care of everything that we face. When bill collectors come knocking at the door, when family members are in the hospital, when the doctor gives the worst possible news, we can surrender to the torrents of waves and be swallowed up by the sea, or we can calmly put our faith in God and knowing that he will see us through this storm. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus had been using a small boat as his pulpit, preaching and teaching to his followers and his disciples The crowd had become so large that he commanded his disciples, let's cast off from the shore a little ways and I'll preach from here. And so being cast off a little way from shore, everyone present was learning the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But academic faith is not the same as active faith. They had the knowledge now that they had been learning from Jesus, but They didn't quite know how to put it into practice. Their faith, like ours often is, was about to be tested. And as we continue the story, we read that Jesus turns to his disciples and tells them that they are going to cross the sea. He had come to the conclusion of his sermon, like I will eventually hear this morning. And he says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go across the sea. 
The sea which they had set out to cross was considered, it was called the Sea of Galilee. It's actually a freshwater lake, but they call it the Sea of Galilee. And it's located in northern Palestine. It's heart-shaped. It's about 13 miles long, 8 miles wide. It's not incredibly large. But because of where it's situated, it's 680 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by mountains. And because of this, they would have fierce downdrafts of cold air that would come through. And within a moment of time, you would see the storm start, just like we've seen here this morning, come out of nowheres. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves paddling through McAllister, paddling through Rossi Avenue just to be able to get to church here this morning. And these storms, these violent storms, would just come out of nowhere. And even though the situation appeared to be threatening, we can see at least three good reasons why his disciples should have been at peace even while crossing this notable sea. The first is that with Jesus on board, they should have found peace in his purpose. Mark tells us that Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, On that day when evening came, Jesus said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Let us go across to the other side. And that simple suggestion, the, the disciples, they should have found more peace than in most calm, tranquil seas. Jesus needed to get to the other side. This, this far into the chapter, it do, doesn't tell us why. It doesn't tell us why he needed to get to the other side. We don't know why he wanted to cross the sea. He has just told his disciples a simple command. Let's go across to the other side. It was his idea to cross the sea, to go to this eastern country. Did Jesus know that the storm was coming? Of course he did. And that storm would be part of the day's curriculum. Here's what I want you to learn, disciples. The Lord undoubtedly knew that the storm was coming and certainly could have prevented it, but he deliberately directed them towards the storm so that he might teach his disciples some lessons. It would, come, it would help them understand a lesson that they didn't even know that they needed to learn. God can be trusted in the storms of life. Somebody hear me this morning. God can be trusted in the storms of your life. And everything he had taught from the bow of the boat to the multitudes on the shore was going to be put into practice. Many people have the mistaken idea that storms only come into their lives when they've disobeyed God when they've done something terribly wrong. But let me tell you here this morning that that's not always the case. In the Old Testament, we read about the prophet Jonah. God commanded Jonah to go to preach to the people of Nineveh. But Jonah, he didn't particularly like the Ninevites because of how they treated the Jews. And he didn't want to preach to them, so he ran away. He paid for passage on a small boat, but the further that they sailed from Nineveh, the worse the storm got. Their ship was being tossed around. They were fearful for their lives. And it would have gone under. It would have been destroyed. But then Jonah finally comes to the forefront and admits his fault. I'm running from God. And so he commands them, throw me overboard. And eventually they do. They throw him overboard. And the Bible tells us that the storm ceases. But you also remember from the story that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish and spent three nights in the belly of that whale. He was about to learn a little bit of a lesson. Jonah was caught in that storm because he did not obey God. He was swallowed by that 
that great fish because he did not obey God. But here the disciples, they got into the storm because they did obey Jesus. Lord, we're following what you told us to do. This is the path that you told us to go on, and here we find ourselves facing an impenetrable storm. And as we read our Bibles, we discover that there are two kinds of storms. First of all, there's storms of correction, when God disciplines us. And secondly, there are storms of perfection, when God helps us to grow. And that's what this storm was. Jesus' statement, let us go over to the other side, it was more than just a suggestion, it was a promise. If Jesus says we're going to the other side of the sea, you can rest assured that you are going to the other side. And let us not forget that this is the God that tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, who, that who is, able, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can even ask or think. And his commands are also his enablements. And nothing can hinder the working out of his plans. Nothing can stop the Lord. He did not promise an easy trip, but he did promise a guaranteed arrival at their destination. And when we find ourselves enduring hardships or suffering, though we are following Christ in our lives, we must remember that he brought us here and he can see us through. There is peace in God's purpose. The disciples, they should have also found peace in his presence. Because as we find when we continue the story, we read in verse 37, there arose a fierce gale of wind. And the waves were breaking over the boat. Let me just stop here and tell you that I've been on the lobster fishing boat that my wife's grandfather and her father owned. They took me out lobster fishing. And we got out there, and the sea was so rough, the waves were coming up over the boat. And uh, they thought it was hilarious. They thought it was great fun because they were used to it. They had been on the boat since a very young age. But for me and my uh, non-sea legs, <laughs> I, I was not okay. And it was not long before I started feeling the effects of the sea. And they had to bring me back to shore. So I know what it's like to be in a boat that all of a sudden you just see the sky and then you come down and you see nothing but water. And then you see the sky and you see nothing but water. And you have those waves come crashing into the boat and you feel every single one of them come thrashing in. And sometimes we go through things in our life where we feel every single wave come crashing into the side of our vessel. We feel it. We feel it day and night. And this is where we find the disciples. They're feeling every wave come into the side of that boat, and they're seeing the water come up into the boat with them. Jesus, though, it tells us Jesus himself in verse 38, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It would be one thing if Jesus had said, you go over across the sea and I'll meet you on the other shore. They could have still trusted in his purpose, but they would have been alone along the way and who knows what could have happened. 
But that isn't what Jesus said. He told them, we will go. And he went with them in the boat. He was there with them. And yet when winds crashed against the sea and the boat starts to fill up, they become terrified. The Lord himself was with them. So what was there to fear? They had seen his power demonstrated in his miracles. The Lord could make blind men see. He could make crippled men walk and leap. He could feed 5,000 men plus women and children with just five loaves and two fish. And so they should have had complete confidence that their Lord could handle this situation that they were now in. But for some reason, the disciples did not yet understand that he was indeed the master of every situation. It's interesting that this is the only place in the entire Bible that speaks of Jesus sleeping. And that should say something to us. Even in the midst of the storm, Jesus was perfectly at peace. That fact alone should have encouraged his disciples. He took a nap. Christ slept in the storm. David once wrote, he said in Psalm 4, verse 8, he said, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, are, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. This is, he also wrote in Psalm 23, You make me to lie down in green pastures. How often in the trials of life are we prone to imitate the disciple who cried out, Lord, don't you even care about us? Don't you even care about what I'm going through right now? If you did, where are you? Why do you seem asleep? Of course he cares. Too many Christians have the mistaken idea that obedience to God's will produces smooth sailing. If I obey God, he'll make sure that everything in my life just goes smooth. I will be blessed. God will handle everything. He'll push everything off the path and make way for me because I am his child. As long as we do what God wants, we won't have any trouble, is sometimes our thinking. But that's just not true. Jesus warned us. He says, in the world, you will have tribulation. He warned us. You're living in this world. You're going to have things come up against you. You're going to have things that you face. But he also promised that he will be with us through it all. Take heart. I have overcome the world. And as long as we are with the one who has overcome, we have nothing to fear. As Jesus ascended into heaven in Matthew chapter 28, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Had the Lord remained on earth, he could not have fulfilled this promise. As a man, he would be limited to his physical body. But after he ascended, he poured out his Spirit over all the world. And as Christians, we have the blessed assurance of having Christ's Spirit with us wherever we go. We have His presence with us when we leave this place. It's not just here that we can feel the presence of God. Thank the Lord for that. It's not just at church that we can get filled up with His presence. You can worship Him in your car. You can worship Him at your job. You can worship Him wherever you are. And that presence, as you begin magnifying the name of the Lord, floods into wherever you're at. There is great peace in his presence. And finally, 
Jesus' disciples should have found peace in his proclamation. Overwhelmed with compassion for his fearful crew, verse 39 tells us, and he arose, Jesus arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, and he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? Why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? What an awesome sight this must have been. The word rebuke was the same word that Jesus used when casting out demons. He rebuked the wind and the waves. What can stop our, our Lord? What can stop our God? And Jesus calmed both the wind and the sea by simply speaking the word. And usually after the winds died down, the, way, the waves would remain quite troublesome, quite rough for hours. But in this instance, everything became calm immediately, and it stayed that way. When God speaks, even the wind and the seas listen. And the Bible says, Psalm 148, it says, Praise the Lord from the earth, sea monsters and all the ocean depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, obey his word. And 2,000 years later, the word of God has not left its potency behind. God's word is just as powerful as ever. Can I get an amen here this morning? How many believe that here this morning? His word still is strong. His word is still powerful. And we, when we read it, it brings peace knowing that his word still calms the storms of our life today. It's powerful enough for me. It's powerful enough for you. Within these pages lie God's plan for our salvation, his promise to mankind, his purpose for our lives. Isaiah reminded the people of Israel that there is peace in God's word. He said in Psalm, in Isaiah 48, verse 18, he says, If only you would listen to my commands, my commandments, your peace would be like a river, and your righteousness like waves on the sea. When we feel lost, when the struggles of this life are overwhelming us, and it feels like our ship is about to sink, we can open up our Bibles, listen to God's word, and the winds will die down. The sea will go calm. When the sea was raging, the billows were tossing. The disciples looked around and saw danger. They looked within and saw fear, but they failed to look up and see God. The greatest danger was not the wind or the waves. It was the unbelief that they had in their heart. And our greatest problems are within us, not around us. So when we are faced with the challenges of this life, let's not make the same mistake. This was one of just many lessons that Jesus would teach his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And each lesson would reveal some wonderful new truth about who he is. They already knew that he had the authority to forgive sins, to cast out demons, and to heal diseases. And now they discover that he even has authority over wind and the sea. This meant that they had no reason ever again to be afraid, for their Lord is in control of every situation. And instead of allowing fears and doubts to overwhelm us, we can keep calm and find peace in God's purpose and plans for our life. Find peace in the presence of the Lord. Find peace in his word. 
Mark chapter 4 concludes with the disciples asking themselves this. He says in verse 41, they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the one that King David wrote about in Psalm 37. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. I gave the wrong scripture for that. I do apologize. Can we all stand as I come to a close? Why go through all the trouble of crossing the sea if they knew that a storm like that was coming? We ask ourselves that sometimes. Why, why in the world would God allow me to go through this if he knew what was on its way? If he's the all-knowing, caring, loving, compassionate God that he is, then why does he allow people to go through the things that he does? What was so important that Jesus had to go across to the other side of the sea? We find out from the very next chapter in, Ma in uh, Math Mark chapter 5 that on the other side of the sea was a man who was demon-possessed. He was tormented. He had anything but calm in his life. He lived in the tombs, the Bible tells us. No one could go near him. They couldn't calm him down. They couldn't even chain him down. He would break the chains in pieces. And the Bible says that no one had the strength to subdue him. No one. It tells us in Mark chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Jesus doesn't address him. He addresses what has been tormenting him, tearing him apart. He says to the demons, Come out of this man you unclean spirit. And the demons flee from the voice of the Lord into a herd of pigs that were on the hills by the sea, and they leap to their death in the very sea that Jesus had calmed. And the people of the village, they hear what had happened. They cared more for their pigs than they did this man who had been oppressed by demons and was now completely healed standing before them. In Mark chapter 5, verse 17, it says, And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Just go away from us. Leave us. And he was getting into the boat, stepping back into the boat again. The, men, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. What manner of man is this? That even the demons obey his voice. He used the same word to rebuke the demons in this man. 
as he did to rebuke the winds and the waves that were threatening their voyage across to meet him. He crossed a tumultuous sea for one person. Hear me this morning. For one person. He went through all of that. Left the crowds that were gathered around him that he was teaching on the banks that were so great that he said, we're going to have to cast this boat off a little ways into the sea so that I have some room here to be able to teach all these people. He left all of them and turns to his disciples and said, let's go across the sea. He had an appointment with somebody. There was one person. That's all that he got to witness to. That's all that he got to to meet was that one person. Don't you think that he wouldn't do the same for you here this morning? Is he still not the same God? Is he still not just as powerful? Does his word alone not still calm the raging storms of our life? Maybe here this morning you feel troubled or lost in despair. Your mind has been completely burdened with the cares of this life. Christ invites us to come to him and experience the peace that passes all understanding. Come to me, Jesus beckons in Matthew chapter 11. He says, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Keep calm. God is in control. That's the message for the world here today. If there's ever been a time that we need to recognize that there is one who is in control, it's today. He is the God who controls it all. Keep calm. The King of glory is here. God, calm the raging storm that's in my life. Speak to the winds and the waves and tell them to be still. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And maybe you're that one here this morning that Jesus is trying to reach. Doesn't have to be the entire congregation here this morning. Doesn't have to be everybody that's watching and listening online. It can just be that one that says, you know what, I've been facing some things right now and I've wondered myself, God, don't you even care? Don't you even care what I'm going through and what I've been facing? Don't you even see where I'm at? I've got this wind and the waves that have been smashing against the side of my life and I don't know what else to do. And you feel like Jesus is just asleep with it all. Like he's not paying attention. Like he doesn't even recognize what's going on. Don't you even care? Near this morning, he's crossing that sea just to get to that one person, just to get to you. He's got a purpose and a plan. He's got a mission for your life. And so here this morning, I'm going to open up this altar, and I want us to come. We want to pray with you that God would calm the wind and the storm that's troubling your life that he would reach down to where you are here right now and show you that he is in control so you can keep calm and just trust him. Just trust him with what you're going through right now. Can we just do that right now? Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.